1: to guarantee that Jesus was dead. When he pierced his side, it went up into the heart and it broke the sack around the heart which is covered with water. It's interesting that the medical terminology for this is a ruptured heart. Jesus died of a broken heart. His heart was broken because of the sin that came upon us. His heart was broken for you and for me. He died of a broken heart, the blood, the water, It looks like sanctification, it looks like purification, it looks like cleansing.
0: While Jesus fulfilled prophecies upon prophecies and countless miracles, His greatest act of love was dying on the cross. He had His heart literally broken that we may have an opportunity and invitation to everlasting life. Today, Pastor Dave will put us into Jesus' shoes as He became sin to save us. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of John chapter 19 as he begins his message. Jesus' Death and Burial. John 19, beginning in verse
1: 31. Therefore, because it was the preparation day, that the bodies should not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for the Sabbath was a high day, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken, that they might be taken away. Then the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who was crucified with him. That's Jesus. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear and immediately blood and water came out. And he who has seen has testified and his testimony is true. And he knows that he is telling the truth so that you may believe. For these things were done that scripture should be fulfilled. Not one of his bones shall be broken. And again, another scripture says, they shall look on him whom they pierced. After this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him permission, so he came and took the body of Jesus. And Nicodemus, who first came to Jesus by night, "...also came, bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pounds. Then they took the body of Jesus, bound it in the strips of linen with the spices, as custom of the Jews is to bury. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. So there they laid Jesus, because of the Jews' preparation day, for the tomb was nearby." So as I was looking and preparing for today's message and trying to figure out what the Lord was trying to say to us through these scriptures, it came to me about our Christian faith. Our Christian faith is not based on mystical hope. It's not based on cunningly devised fables made up by men. The Christian faith is based on fact. In fact, it's based on facts facts that rest in the fulfillment of prophecy through the death, burial, and resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Our Christian faith is based on the evidence that Jesus died for our sins. He was buried, and he rose again on the third day. This is what we call the gospel, or good news. The Apostle Paul, when writing to the Corinthians for the first time, in 1 Corinthians 15 he uses two scriptures, two verses to describe this gospel and he spells out what the gospel is and how important it is for us to embrace it and share it with others. He reminds the Corinthians of the gospel he preached among them in verse three. He said that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. This is the essence of the gospel. But if you're a Bible student and you've read through the epistles, you know that Paul warns us that many false gospels will appear. Many false gospels will appear and be on the scene. They will be offered to those who are unsuspecting, those who don't know or don't have true knowledge of God's word. In fact, when Paul was writing to the churches of Galatia, he writes this in chapter one, verses eight and nine. He says, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be a curse. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you receive, let him be accursed. The pure gospel of Jesus Christ is simple, The pure gospel of Jesus Christ is based on his death on the cross for sinners, his burial, and his resurrection to everlasting life. This is the centrality of our faith. In today's scriptures, as we finish this chapter in the gospel of John, we are going to look at two-thirds of the gospel message. We're going to look at Jesus' death and Jesus' burial. I don't want to look at these as simply a historical fact, but they are. They are an historical fact, and we are certainly going to look at it from that view. But I also want to look at what was might be going through the minds of the apostles, of his followers, during this time after he was crucified. So that's where we're going today. John focuses his gospel on the deity of Jesus Christ, that God Came in the flesh. God was from the beginning, in the beginning, the Word was with Him, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, the Word being Jesus Christ. And what He does is He takes Old Testament scripture and He proves that fact to us. Now, if you've been with us, we've been studying through chapter 19. After Jesus was scourged, Pontius Pilate gave the order that he would be crucified. And then by nine o'clock that morning, they nailed Jesus to a tree, to a cross. He hung there for six hours. And about three o'clock in the afternoon, Jesus cried out, it is finished. And he gave up his spirit. And we end it last time in verse 30. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up the spirit. Now I want to point something important out to you. The last five words. He gave up his spirit. The very important point here, Jesus gave his life up. No man took his life from him. Jesus gave it up and he gave it up for you and he gave it up for me and he gave it up for the entire world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Jesus gave up his life. It's a very important point. We see from verse 31 that this was a special days for the Jews. It was a preparation day. Let's look at verse 31a. In fact, let's read the whole verse. Therefore, because it was the preparation day that the body should not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for the Sabbath was a high day, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. The Sabbath day was approaching. In fact, the very next day would be a Sabbath. Jewish days begin at dusk. They begin at dusk. When the sun goes down, that's the beginning of the Jewish day. The next day would be the first day of the Passover. It would be the first day of the Passover Feast. The first day and the last day were considered high holy days. They were high Sabbaths, and that's what John is talking about. Now, the Jews had to prepare for the Sabbath day in advance. Why? They couldn't do any work on the Sabbath. No work was allowed on the Sabbath. They couldn't even kindle a fire. They couldn't wash clothes, clean house. They couldn't do any chores at all. They couldn't prepare food. They could serve it, but they couldn't prepare it. There was no baking of any kind. They couldn't even set the table for the Sabbath day meal. That was considered work. So they had a preparation day, a day when all this activity would take place. This just wasn't a Sabbath day that was coming up. It was a Passover Sabbath. It was a high holy day. John tells us that it's a high day of the feast. The last day Passover lamb was slain. On the 14th day of the month, which was the day before. So we're right at that point. Jesus is dead. He's died. He's the Passover lamb was slain on that day. The 15th day began at the evening. This is why they wanted their legs broken. They didn't want these men hanging there on the cross during the Sabbath day. Now, usually when a crucifixion took place, it could take upwards to five days for someone to die. Crucifixion was excruciatingly painful, excruciatingly painful. And they wanted to break their legs because they didn't want them there during the Sabbath. Now, think about this. Here is these holy men. Here is these holy men, these Pharisees, these Jews, didn't want people that they put there, that they killed, hanging on the Sabbath day. They didn't want Jesus hanging there, an innocent man that they put to death. They were more concerned about their law than putting an innocent man to death. They were more concerned about straining a gnat about what this looked like than putting a man, this is crazy. Hypocrites, indeed. Indeed, they just killed three guys and they don't want them there because they want to look perfect. This is pretty crazy. Does our religious, religious religiosity get in the way like that? Do we put more religion and rituals and things in front of Jesus Christ? Think about that. In verse 32 through 37, we see the first part of the gospel message. We see Jesus's death confirmed and we see prophecy fulfilled. Let's reread those. Then the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water came out. And he who has seen has testified, and his testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth, so that you may believe. For these things were done, that the scripture should be fulfilled, not one of his bones shall be broken. And again, another scripture says, they shall look upon him whom they... Pierced. Interesting, interesting words. The Greek word used here for broken is the Greek word kategoronome. It literally means to crack or splinter apart. To rend in pieces. What they did was they took a great big large iron bar or a great big mall and they smashed these guys' legs with them. Remember, being crucified, you had a small place where you put your feet. And each time you wanted to take a breath, you had to push yourself up on with your feet to take a breath. Because crucifixion is basically suffocation. You're hanging there like this and your lungs are collapsing. If they break your legs, you can no longer push yourself up. Hence, you suffocate and die faster. (laughs) Great thinking, right? Remember, they did this to one thief. They did it to the other thief. And when they came to Jesus, they found out that he was already dead. Remember, Jesus gave up his life. No man took it from him. What is interesting here that it, this is all fulfilled Scripture, fulfilled prophecy. Psalm thirty-four in verse twenty, it says, "He guards all his bones; not one of them is broken." In Leviticus twenty-two, in Leviticus twenty-two, we read in the law. Twenty two twenty-four says, You shall not offer to the Lord that which is bruised or crushed or torn or cut, nor shall you make any offering of them in your land. It had to be a spotless thing. It couldn't be crushed or come broken. When the, when the Lord was giving the commandment concerning the Passover lamb, listen to what he declared in Exodus twelve, forty six. In Exodus twelve, forty six he says this. In one house it shall be eaten. You shall not carry any of the flesh outside the house, nor shall you break one of its bones. Prophecy. And in Numbers 9, verse 16, Numbers 9, verse 16, it says this. They shall leave none of it until morning, nor break one of its bones. According to this the ordinance of the Passover, they shall keep it. Talking about the Passover lamb. So prophecy is fulfilled. Prophecy is now fulfilled with this. Even in Jesus' death, prophecy is being fulfilled. Jesus died according to the scriptures. He died in that manner. Jesus died. The sacrifice was complete. The lamb was slain. Jesus died for the sins of the entire world, and they were placed upon him. Sin had to be erased by the blood of his sacrifice. There had to be the shedding of blood for the remission of sins. It had to happen. We're sinners separated from God. We all deserve eternal punishment. We all deserve hell. Jesus' death on the cross paid for our sins. It paid for the sins of all of mankind. It gives us access to heaven. We now have access to the throne of heaven, and we have an eternal relationship with God the Father. God did not have to do this for us, but it was by his grace this undeserved favor that God poured out his grace upon us through Jesus Christ. You know the scripture. Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. God loved us so much that he poured out his grace upon us in Jesus Christ. And he allowed him to take the sin of the world upon himself. And allowed him to die in our stead. There had to be a death. There had to be a sacrifice. Jesus was that death and he was that sacrifice according to the scriptures. But Jesus' death had to be confirmed, didn't it? Now, there are many people today that he didn't really die. They have this swoon theory that he was kind of woozy and kind of passed out. But we know that's not the case. Jesus' death was confirmed. One of the soldiers pierced his side And out came blood and water. He wanted to guarantee that Jesus was dead. When he pierced his side, it went up into the heart, and it broke the sack around the heart, which is covered with water. It's interesting that the medical terminology for this is a ruptured heart. Jesus died of a broken heart. His heart was broken because of the sin that came upon us. His heart was broken for you and for me. He died of a broken heart. The blood The water, it looks like sanctification, it looks like purification, it looks like cleansing. 1 John one nine says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This cleansing is done by his blood. One commentator said this, listen to this, quote, There may be a symbolic meaning here. The blood speaks of our justification. The water speaks of our sanctification and cleaning. The blood takes care of the guilt of the sin and the water deals with the stain of sin, unquote. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, make no mistake about it. It is an historical fact that Jesus died on the cross that day. All four Gospels record it. The book of Acts speaks of it. The epistles mention it time and time again. It is written by the uh, Josephus, one of the great scholars. It is written by other Hebrew scholars. It is an historical fact that Jesus Christ died on the cross that day. And that's why it is so important to believe the gospel in its entirety. The first part of the gospel, Jesus died according to the scriptures. The soldier fulfills another prophecy, a really great prophecy. And they shall look on him whom they pierce. This is Zechariah 12, 10. And it's a double fulfillment here, as most prophecies are, double fulfillment. When the uh, soldier looked upon Jesus, he was dead. And he recognized he was dead. He looked upon him whom he had pierced. But Zechariah was looking much further ahead. Zechariah was looking much, much further ahead to Jesus' return. When a spirit fell on the nation of Israel, Jesus returns. He's the pierced one. His head with the crowns of thorns have pierced. His hands have been pierced. His side has been pierced. And they look on him whom they pierced. They look on him. They will turn away because... They've been trusting in something that was foolish. They've been trusting in false gods. And here's their one true Messiah standing before them. Standing before them. And it says, they look on him whom they pierce and they mourn. And they mourn. This breaks my heart for them. That they finally realize, oh no, it's him. It's true. They look on him who is pierced. They realize that. We take responsibility for killing him. Part responsibility. I'm responsible for Jesus' death. You're responsible for Jesus' death. But the Jews say, We're taken responsible for it. We killed him. They mourn. And then the Jewish people turn to Jesus in repentance. What a glorious time. They return to Jesus in repentance. The mourning, as if the mourning for a firstborn, a son. It fulfills Romans 11:26 26, but it says all of Israel will be saved. And other passages that talk about the physical return of Jesus Christ to earth. They welcome him as Savior. But it says they looked upon him. They, they looked and they mourned. I see a pattern for us coming to Christ in this. Looking upon him, seeing who he really is, understanding what happened on the cross. We begin to mourn for our sins. We came in to recognise that we're sinful, that we're wretched, sinful creatures, and we need a savior. And we see what he did for the cross, on the cross, and we accept and we come to know him and we come to salvation. You remember in John 3 when we studied that? A beautiful passage in John 3, in verse 14 of John 3. When Jesus says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the son of man must be lifted up. Remember the serpent in the wilderness? Snakes bit the children of Israel because of their apostasy, and they were dying. And Moses pleaded the case with God. And God said, fashion a serpent out of brass. Brass means judgment. Fasten a serpent out of brass, put it on a pole, and put it before the camp. Whomever looks at the serpent after they're bitten will not die. And they were all running around, and a snake would bite them. And they would look at the serpent, and they would be healed. Oh, he got bit by the snake. Look at the serpent. I'm not going to fit. <laughs> look, what did Jesus say? As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. If we look to him, if we look to him and mourn our sin. We are drawn to him. And we see this beautiful picture. We must look at him first. And then we're drawn to him. In the midst of your sorry circumstances that you're moaning and groaning about, look to Jesus and be drawn to him. If you're in need of salvation today, look to Jesus. Look to the cross and be drawn to him. And come to him freely, willingly. Come to him and be saved. John says in verse 35... He was testified and his testimony is true because I've seen it. I was there. I was at the foot of the cross. I watched him die. I watched him say it is finished. I watched him take his last breath. I was there. I saw it. It's true. This is why John wrote his gospel. We'll find out in um, John 20, 21 and 31. It says 30 and 31. And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. It's the whole purpose of John's gospel. So Jesus' death is confirmed. Prophecy is fulfilled. Testimony is true. And finally, Jesus is buried. You are assured.
0: Our time with you is coming to an end today on A Sure Hope. On our next edition, Pastor Dave Shank will continue this journey through the book of John. But for now, you can listen to more teachings from this series online at ashorehoperadio.com. We encourage you to download these messages so that they are available wherever you go. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Just search for A Sure Hope and see the latest editions as soon as they're posted. If you're enjoying these teachings and would like to get more involved with the church behind this ministry, we'd love to meet you at Calvary Chapel Cape May for a time of worship and Bible study. We meet weekly on Sundays at 10 a.m. Give us a call for more information. Our number is 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. Otherwise, you can visit Assure Hope Radio for times and directions. If you're not able to join us in person, we're streaming our services on Facebook Live. Just look for the link on our website at assurehoperadio.com. Thanks for listening to today's message in the book of John. We pray you continue to be blessed as you study the Word and that you discover how God's doing great things in your life. We look forward to you joining us again as Pastor Dave has more to share from this book that entails where Jesus walked and the amazing wonders he performed while here on earth. He's still doing wonders today too. Come hear about that next time on A Sure Hope.